Liberal Fix is brought to you by Blue Push Media, news important to progressives and liberals across America. Good evening and welcome to this edition of Liberal Fix Radio. It is already October and uh, I'm your host, Keith Brackett, broadcasting from Montana, uh, where we have snow in the forecast for Sunday, so I'm excited about that. And uh, and I'm joined by my co-host, Naomi, who is in Southern California. How are you doing tonight, Naomi? I'm doing well, thank you, and we do not have snow on our forecast, so stop bragging. Um, we have more heat, but not as much as it has been, so it's a little relief. Maybe um, you can send some of that this way. Sure, I'll do what I can. And uh, for our listeners, a, a couple things. I guess um, uh, last week we ran a rerun episode. We didn't get to talk about uh, John Boehner's resignation, which we weren't planning on him resigning at the time that we tried to schedule a rerun. So we may get into talking about the Republican leadership in the second half of the hour today. But I was going to point out, of course, um, what's probably on everybody's mind is the uh, – Community College shooting in, in Roseburg, Oregon, um, which is, I should point out for people familiar with the show or that followed for a long time, I, I originally appeared on the show as a guest um, in December of 2012 as a sociologist who would offer some perspectives on the, the Sandy Hook shooting in Newtown, Connecticut. And, and uh, sadly, uh, well, since then I've become host of the show. That that that's something I enjoy doing. But sadly, in the interim three years, we've we've covered gun violence multiple times. We've had to talk about the Isla Vista shooting, the Charleston Church massacre. We've also had guests on to talk about some of the things that also happened in 2012, like we had Amardeep Kalika, who ran for Congress, whose father was killed in the Sikh Temple shooting, which was in 2012 prior to Sandy Hook, but, but we covered that on our show as well. And and uh, my hope is um, that we don't have to keep covering mass shootings in America. It's almost as if we can uh, do the liberal fixed calendar, and, and we don't know which weekend, but we know that one of, one of the weekends every other month or, or more often than that, depending on, um, you know, which year it is that we end up having to talk about um, mass shootings. And, and frankly, I hope we don't have to, keep doing it. I hope that uh, as citizens of this country, that our political leaders, our uh, media leaders, our influential people can do things, whatever it takes to, um, and that the people themselves can take action to take whatever it takes to stop this kind of senseless gun violence. Not, not of course, the mass shootings, but also suicides and homicides on a one-by-one scale. But I mean, for sure, we, we have to get a hold of um, the problem and do something about it because it's really getting old. And uh, with that in mind, I guess I'll I'll just kick off the show and point out again that, of course, um, for people that maybe lived in a tunnel or haven't watched news this week, there was a mass shooting at a community college in Oregon. I, I, I'm not sure the numbers who were killed and wounded, the exact numbers, um, um, but Naomi might have that, but I know, I know it's... Uh, it's a significant number of people were affected uh, directly, and of course, when you add in all the family and friends of those who lost their lives, and just the effect that it has on the uh, mood of us in general as a nation, uh, it, it's it's just another one of these um, uh, what I'd call preventable tragedies. And I don't want to give a passive voice like tragedy. I mean, there is a perpetrator. And there's things we can do to prevent it. It's not an earthquake or a mudslide. I mean, this is human behavior, and we can do something to stop it. But but I'll let Naomi have the floor briefly if if she has, wants things to say, and we'll delve into this topic in more detail in the course of this hour. Well, Keith, I think you're. Um you're right, we do need to make change, but unfortunately we're going to cover more stories. Um, and I say unfortunately, we're going to cover more um, because things are, things are not set to change uh, right now. I think things are in motion, but we're not going to get the change that we need um, overnight, unfortunately. And so the, the mass murder shootings and the accessibility to um, massive amounts of ammunition and um assault weapons the accessibility uh, and 
the no background checks, the no closing of the loopholes, that's still battles that we're fighting state by state. Um, but what I wanted to do briefly is just um, give homage to the victims. There were nine that were uh, shot and killed uh, at the community college yesterday. Um, and we offer our condolences and our thoughts and prayers to the families and friends of all of these victims who were loved and cherished by their families and friends and um, as they struggle to realize the days ahead of them that are without their loved ones. Um, the first one is Kim Saltmarsh Deitz. She was 59. She attended college, ironic, ironically enough, with her 18-year-old daughter. They both attended college. Her daughter was unhurt in the shooting. and She was going back to change um to make a career change, um, and she did attend the college with her 18-year-old daughter, again, who was not hurt in the shooting. Uh, the next victim was a uh, female, Lucero Alcaraz, 19-year-old. She had received scholarships to cover the entire cost of her college education, and she was um, hoping to become a pediatric nurse. Um, the third victim is Jason Johnson, 20. He had just completed a six-month rehab program and had started his first week at college. Um, his mom states that he was very proud of himself for enrolling in college, and he felt that he had finally found his path. The fourth victim was Quinn Glenn Cooper, 18, uh, male. Uh, Quinn um, was due to take his brown belt test next week. He loved dancing, voice acting, and playing ingress with his older brother, and his family says that he saw the best always tried to see the best in everyone around him. Number five is Lucas Ebel, 18. He was studying chemistry, and he loved being a part of the FFA, the Future Farmers of America, and he loved volunteering and giving his time at the Wildlife Safari and Saving Grace Animal Shelter. Uh, Lawrence Levine was 67 and an assistant professor of English at the college. He was a member of Steamboaters, which is a fly fishing and conserva uh, and a conservation group, and uh, his friends remember him as uh, being, being an avid fisherman and loving uh, loving to write. He was a, a proficient writer and loved teaching English. Uh, Serena Don Moore was 44. Uh, unfortunately, I wasn't able to find too much from her other than she was a member of Grants Pass uh, Seventh Day Advent Church and was. Uh, being deeply mourned and lovingly remembered by members of her church. Uh, Trevin Taylor Anspach was 20, and uh, Trevor was larger than life and brought out the best in those around him, and that was the statement released by his family. We are grieving deeply, and we will love him and miss him terribly. Rebecca Ann Carnes was 18. She had just started a new job and started her college classes. Uh, she was looking forward to both her college career and her new job. Her cousin, Lisa Crawford, released a statement saying that this this statement encompassed Rebecca. Rebecca uh, would say of this tragedy, don't let life ever become so busy that you don't have a moment to stop and be kind to someone. Let love and gentleness shine in the wake of this violence. And that was uh, the nine victims that um, were killed at the college uh, yesterday. So, again, we offer our condolences and deepest sympathy to these, uh, to the members, the family members and friends um, who are grieving and uh, trying to realize that their life goes on without their loved ones. Um too much. Too much. And yeah. um, also we have to remember those that were injured. There were quite a few. I couldn't get a final count on injured, but there were quite a few. And then among the dead, of course, was the shooter, um, who we won't name. Um, we are following the policy of no notoriety and not giving um, credence to the shooter. Um So many different reactions, um, but I'm getting a sense um, from social media 
Um, I've been tweeting my congressman all day. I, they're probably going to block me <laughs> because I've been going after him all day about standing up to the NRA and doing something, being a leader and standing up against the gun manufacturers and the gun lobbyists and, and doing something for the people in, in, in America, for his constituents. Um, I'm getting the sense that there's a different um, movement behind it, that it's not people aren't just saying, oh, this is so sad, or oh, another one. I don't think there's the um, numbness to this one. I think people are um responding a little bit differently. What do you think about that, Keith? I I feel like I'm seeing a little bit more activism and a little bit more of people saying enough. Um whereas they were saying that before, but I just feel a different sense. What what do you feel? Yeah, I think I think the political climate is maybe changing Slowly, I I don't know exactly what was going on, and um, I guess some of the other times, like in 2012 or early 2013, we came so close to getting the background checks bill through House and Senate, it didn't happen. And then for a while, it seemed like the the sort of I don't know what you'd call them, the patriot movement or the pro-gun movement. Or <laughs> those people, they got a, they they sort of had the wind at their backs for a little while, even though there was, at the state level, there was a lot of resistance from the, you know, gun sense groups. And there were a lot of things that got passed, like Washington State and other places. But I know, like in Colorado, there was a backlash where a couple lawmakers got recalled because they weren't sufficiently... Um, um, pro-gun enough or whatever because they, they passed sensible gun legislation and in and off your election people were able to vote them out but then in this last uh, 2014 those seats were won back um, by by progressive lawmakers again so there was sort of backlash against the, the uh, pro-gun sort of nonsense or whatever you want to call it and, and so um to answer your question, I, I do think um, even though there's a really vocal sort of intransigent group of of you know NRA types and, and pro we can't do anything to to stop gun violence kind of groups that that the first thing they think of whenever there's a mass shooting is is grabbing their guns and stuff. I think there does seem to be more political willpower on the side of the Democrats as far as doing something. And and just the general population, I mean, when you look at public policy polling, you see even in states like Montana and Wyoming where 70, 80% of the people, including people who own guns but aren't necessarily gun lobbyists, um, think things like background checks and even ammunition limits and stuff like that are, are things that should be done. I mean, background checks are, are very popular when people poll questions about it, and so are other kind of reforms. And and I think, I mean, even Geraldo Rivera on Fox News was saying, you know, that the NRA is, he was basically calling them out today, and he said some other, you know, stuff that they didn't agree with, you know, sort of, you know, we should have armed security guards on the school. But he did, but he did at least say the, you know, the NRA and the, basically <laughs> to use the kind of rhetoric that you might hear from people on the left. I mean, he basically kind of called them out for being a blood cult or whatever you want to call them. And so when you see people like Geraldo moving the needle just a little bit off the off the talking points and starting to say, gosh, we got to do something, maybe there is an opening for, for um, more progress this time around than in some of the previous shootings where everybody just went out. Um. I want to read a comment uh, that Jeb Bush gave. He had um, he was speaking at the uh, Furman University in South Carolina on Friday, and he was asked about um, the shooting. And so the question the question um, was posed to him, and they said uh, they asked about prayer vigils that follow every mass shooting and whether prayers would have more power if they were allowed in the schools before a tragedy rather than after. And uh, he replied that action was not always the right move immediately after a tragedy. Okay, so I have to repeat that again. He replied that action 
was not always the right move immediately after a tragedy. Okay, all right, so we're just supposed to sit and not do anything after a tragedy. So his quote is, it's been a difficult time in our country, and I don't think more government is necessarily the answer to this. I think we need to reconnect ourselves with everybody else. It's just, it's very sad to see. But I resist this notion, and I did. I had this challenge as governor. We had, well, look, stuff happens. There's always a crisis, and the impulse is always to do something, and it's not necessarily the right thing to do. I'm going to read that again. I think we need to reconnect ourselves with everybody else. It's just, it's very sad to see. But I resist this notion, and I did. I had this challenge as governor. We had, well, look, stuff happens. There's always a crisis, and the impulse is always to do something. There's always a crisis, and the impulse is always to do something. And it's well, not necessarily the, the right thing to do. President wants to do something. Why is he running? <laughs> to do nothing and collect a it's paycheck. Not necessar- it's not necessarily the right thing to do. So he was called out by one of the um, um, reporters. He said he wanted, He followed up with him and said, asked uh, candidate Bush, he wanted to make sure he understood the candidate correctly, and he asked if it was a mistake what he had said. And Jeb Bush says, no, it wasn't a mistake. I said exactly what I said. Explain to me what I said wrong. Well, you said, quote, stuff happens. Okay, things happen all the time. Things. Is that better? Oh, my. President President Obama was asked about Bush's comments during a question and answer session with reporters at the White House. And President Obama said, quote, I don't even think I have to react to that one. This is also the gentleman who said that of anything else he will always say about his brother that his brother kept us safe this is the gentleman whose brother when asked as president where is Osama bin Laden where is he why aren't we looking for him where is he this gentleman's brother the president at the time said I'm not really worried about him I I don't care where he is I'm not worried about him and this is a a candidate for the President of the United States of America, this person who very eloquently says stuff happens. Look, we want to do things when crisis happens. It's the impulse to do something, but it's not necessarily the right thing to do. So let's just sit on our hands and not do anything again. Let's not take action on this again. And then on the other side of the coin, also on the campaign trail, was Hillary Clinton. And one of her first comments was, what is wrong with us? What is wrong with us that we will not stand up to the NRA and the gun lobbyists and the gun manufacturers? I will stand up to them. I give you my word that I will stand up to them. And I need a movement. I need you behind me. I will do this. Night and day. One is stammering about saying, well, it's a difficult time. I don't think government is necessarily the answer to this. We need to reconnect ourselves with everybody. What the hell? Is is Sarah Palin his speechwriter? And then we have our president, who is done. Done. And is basically telling us, or asking us, if you are not being represented, if your actions, if your thoughts, if your will is not being represented by your congressional representative, then now's the time to make your move. He's basically asking us to be one-issue voters um, and and standing up to our our Congress people. Um, The quote that he says is, I would particularly, I'm sorry, let me back up. 
So tonight, as those of us who are lucky enough to hug our kids a little closer are thinking about the families who aren't so fortunate, I'd ask the American people to think about how they can get our government to change these laws and to save lives and to let young people grow up. And that will require a change of politics on this issue, and it will require that the American people individually, whether you are a Democrat or a Republican or an Independent, when you decide to vote for somebody, are making a determination as to whether this cause of continuing death for innocent people should be a relevant factor in your decision. If you think this is a problem, then you should expect your elected officials to reflect your views. And I would particularly ask America's gun owners who are using those guns properly, safely, to hunt for sport, for protecting their families, to think about whether your views are properly being represented by the organization that suggests that it is speaking for you. And each time this happens, I'm going to bring this up. Each time this happens, I am going to say that we can actually do something about it. But we're going to have to change our laws. And this is not something I can do by myself. I've got to have a Congress, and I've got to have state legislatures and governors who are willing to work with me on this. I hope and pray that I don't have to come out again during my tenure as president to offer my condolences to families in these circumstances. But based on my experience as president, I can't guarantee that. And that's terrible to say. He is done. I'm going to read one last quote. When Americans are killed in mine disasters, we work to make mines safer. When Americans are killed in floods and hurricanes, we make communities safer. When roads are unsafe, we fix them to reduce auto fatalities. We have seatbelt laws because we know it saves lives. So the notion that gun violence is somehow different, that our freedom and our Constitution prohibits any modest regulation of how we use a deadly weapon when there are law-abiding gun owners all across this country who could hunt and protect their families and do everything they do under such modest regulations doesn't make sense. Gun sense and the Second Amendment can coexist. There is nothing out there that says that the president or that gun violence prevention groups are out to grab people's guns. But these these laws must be changed. They have to be changed. And I commend him for for stepping out and saying, calling it what it is. And I commend Hillary Clinton for bringing up the gun sense conversation at each of her, of her speeches. She's not backing away from it. She knows it's right there front and center, and she is going to, she has committed to fight against it. Now, yeah, I, I, I don't know, I don't know what, what other candidates have said, but the 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 comment from Jeb Bush is so immature is so uh lacking and speaks volumes of his moral compass of his character and what he feels is important in in this country um I know that you you know you and I have had conversations about um the other front runner or the other guy making noise on the democratic side Senator Bernie Sanders um he's going to have to do some explaining 
or or he's going to have to find a balance between his voting record uh being pro gun manufacturers and uh voting on the side of a law that prevented gun manufacturers from being um held liable for shootings for the mass shootings um so that that's a sticking point for me um but first and foremost um you know president obama nailed it uh, it was a a speech that spoke volumes about his frustration and that this is one of the things he wanted to get done before he leaves office and i certainly hope that he does absolutely okay and, sorry uh, keith go ahead oh no I, I yeah i think that's important and i know um um in addition to bush um Donald Trump had sort of a similar um shrugged his shoulders and said these horrible things happen. Um he did he did at least kind of acknowledge that it happens more in the US than other places. But like Bush he didn't have any any solutions. <laughs> you know, I mean he just kinda, of, oh shucks, these things happen, you know, and it, it it the the tone deafness of the Republicans on this is just um I don't know, it's unconscionable and and, uh, you know, as for Sanders, I guess he struck the right tone on the Chris Hayes shows this week. I think he's sort of, um, what would we say, perhaps evolving on the gun issue. But certainly um, in his early days in Vermont, he was uh, he got strong ratings from the NRA. Um, and slowly those eroded and he got worse ratings every year. But, of course, he did vote to limit uh, gun manufacturers' liability, um, which that was that was a terrible vote, and, and you know, he's obviously going to have to atone mm-hmm. for that if, um, as a candidate and, and, and if he becomes elected as a future president. I think in the Senate, of course, he did vote for the background checks and, and post-Sandy Hook, uh, that whole package of, of gun reforms, um, Sanders was in the right place on those, but the, the, the liability thing is a problem. But, uh, and for real tone deafness, I mean, in addition to Bush and Trump, you have three senators um, running for president that are among the 13 senators who basically uh, said in 2013 they would filibuster anything that, anything that infringed upon anybody's rights to own guns. And, of course, those are Senator Rand Paul from Kentucky, um, predictably, Ted Cruz from Texas, and uh, also Marco Rubio from Florida, who's just as radical as the other guys, but somehow doesn't always get lumped in with them because, you know, he's got a pretty face and he drinks lots of water or something. I don't know what the reason is, but but all three of those guys are dangerous radicals on issues like this. And of course, Ted Cruz um, this week said, um, unfortunately, the approach with President Obama on every issue is that he seeks to tear us apart. And he seeks to politicize it, and it's worth remembering he is ideological and he's a radical. That's what Ted Cruz said. I mean, you know, I mean, wait a minute, which one? Who's who's ideological and who's a radical? Um, Ted, have you looked in the mirror lately? I mean, just his comments are beyond the pale. And and, and one other thing I wanted to mention too is that, is we hear a lot about uh, law-abiding gun owners and. Um, and there are, you know, there are people out there and certainly people that um, obey the law, but at some point they may have to police themselves because this individual who shall remain unnamed as it's our policy not to name them, but the person who did this shooting had 13 guns, um, six on the scene and seven back at home. And and, and apparently the, the sheriff or the ATF person said that they were all obtained legally. Well, you know, there ought to be a way to prevent people like that from having a baker's dozen full of guns. I mean, how many do you need and, and what types of guns? And You know, I mean, it's one thing to go out hunting or to carry a piece for personal protection, but obviously, as as with the Aurora shooter and, and some of the others, his intent was to have as much firepower as possible and to go on a killing spree and at some point you know, we have to say that's unacceptable and do something to to curb that appetite for destruction, whatever it takes. I mean, 
if it's magazine limits, if it's you know, if it's making people register, if it's requiring them to insure every firearm, you know, so it gets expensive. You know, like we insure our cars. Why can't we have license for guns? And if you don't, if you don't hurt anybody, if you just do what you're supposed to do, you know, you can pay a really low premium. You can get a safe gun owner thing. You know, I've had it for 20 years and I haven't shot anything from the deer. Great, your premium is only ten dollars a month then, or whatever. But, but you know, anything to, to sort of regulate this kind of senselessness. And and I'll get off that uh, for a moment just to point out that. Um, in addition to the people who were killed, of course, there are the stories of the people who were wounded and stories of people who tried to stop the tragedy. And so um, I'm sure there were a lot of heroes, and we don't know all their stories, but I, we do know um, one of the individuals um, who actually happens to be an Iraq war veteran, I think, an Army veteran, Chris Mintz, 30-year-old, and it was his son's birthday, but uh, um, he tried to stop the shooter and he, he, he confronted him even though he was unarmed and went forward and he got shot seven times in the process um, in the back, the abdomen, the hands, and he's got two broken legs. I'm not sure um, if that was from he, you said he was un, You said he was unarmed. I believe he was unarmed, he he yeah, was un- but he tried to stop the shooter yeah, anyway. Yeah, really? He was unarmed. And, okay, hmm. Yeah, and, and I should point out, too, that the people that subdued the guy who shot Gabby Giffords and the other people that day, they were unarmed at the time. And, and on the same day that this Oregon shooting happened, there was a South Dakota assistant principal who stopped a shooting, and he he was unarmed, and, and he was wounded, but not seriously. But he, he, he tackled the shooter. And, and um, I guess the point is... Um, when these things happen and there's a hero that saves the day, many times it's people who don't have a gun. And I'm wondering where these citizen heroes, these armed conceal and carry people are. Um, when they have a chance to be a hero, it seems like they're either not there or maybe, maybe it's because in this case, the, the guy, the one guy on the scene with the gun is the shooter. I mean, then they, they, that doesn't do us any good. If the shooter, is, if the guy who has the gun is the one with the bad intentions, that doesn't help us any. Um, if you know, if, if these citizen heroes are going to be out there saving the day, you know, we, it should be nice to see more of it. But I, I think um, what happens is we have people that have have sort of fetishized the weapons, but when push comes to shove and they're in a situation, they're either you know. They're they're not able to react in time or 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 whatever the reason is, but it, but it doesn't seem like that uh, that idea is working. I, I don't know what else to say, but it, you know. it, it's because they're delusional about it. They view themselves as these Rambo guys that are strapped to the teeth with ammo, and they're going to go out and they're going to they're going to kill and protect. In the name of the Second Amendment, they're gonna, you know, that's their their duty. They're they're patriots, and that's that's their delusion. They're not in reality. Um, I want to bring up something real quick before we move on. I know I could go on and on about this, but something that you that that we talked about earlier, Keith, and then part of President Obama's speech where he where he says, you know, those of you that are gun owners, take a look. Is this are these people? that say to be representing you, is this how you feel? Are they representing you? This is a quote from NRA board board member Charles Cotton. Um, this is what he his quote was about um, the shooting. How carefree do you have to be with all of the mass shootings that are going on throughout America to not have something as simple and convenient as a small knife when you go to class? let alone a gun with which to protect yourself. Just because you haven't done anything offensive or wrong to someone else doesn't mean that they won't try to do the same to you. He says that they that people need to raise awareness that guns have become a necessity today regardless of where you live, how old you are, and what kind of job you have. They're like smartphones nowadays. Everybody needs one. Had they, talking about the victims, 
had not ten guns among themselves but just one, one of them would have had the chance to take out the shooter before the police did and save at least some of their classmates. That's what I'm talking about. And if one should not blame them for it, they should blame their parents instead because it is they who are the decision makers and they have failed to do their one parental duty, which is to protect their children. I feel for the loss of those 10 families as well as with all of those whose members were injured in Oregon, but they need to know that they have brought this upon themselves by refusing to get a gun and take their lives into their own hands. When will people understand that it is because of these situations that we need more guns and not less? So does that Hi. represent you? If you're if you're if you're a gun owner and you use your gun to hunt or sport or for recreation, as President Obama stated, and you're responsible, you have one for protection, does this moron that I have to share oxygen with, does he speak for you? Does he speak for you as parents that send your children to college? I have a college-age daughter that I send to school without a gun. And she's out at college by herself, without a gun. And I choose to not send her with a gun. She doesn't want a gun. But is that irresponsible of me? Am I a horrible parent because I'm not doing my duty and protecting her with a gun, making her have a gun, making her carry a gun? The, this is exactly what President Obama is saying. If these Idiots are not speaking for you. If they are not representing you, you need to say something and step up and join the people who are trying to pass gun sense, not gun control, gun sense regulations, modest, moderate regulations that we can all and we must live under or these mass shootings will continue. And as President Obama said, we need, we owe it to our, to our communities, to our country, to let young people grow up instead of, being shut, instead of being shot down at the beginning of their adult lives. I, I can't even go further into this idiotic statement, this statement from this gentleman who has no sense of reality and does certainly does not speak for the gun owners that are my friends that are responsible. But you're yeah, out I there. You're there. You're out there. Say the something. Mindset. Up and vote. Sorry. It, it speaks to the mindset of the paranoid um, people like Mr. Cotton and uh, Wayne LaPierre that, that they're so it's as, as if they're so depraved in their heart that they think everybody's out to do evil. I mean, their 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 view of humanity is so low, it's no wonder they think they have to be armed because they think everybody's a jerk like they are. But most people aren't like that. We do get the, you know, the demented school shooters or the, the real weird kooky introverts and stuff who go on a shooting sprees, but, but the, the NRA type people kind of feel their paranoia. I mean, it's almost like they're feeding that. You need to have a gun. You need to have a gun. You need to have a gun. And then lo and behold, yeah, some yeah. troubled kid goes out and says, gosh, I need to have a gun. And, you know, I got to neutralize all threats or, or I'm just having a bad day and, you know, boohoo. Um, I, you know, I can't get a girlfriend or life sucks or, you know, I don't like, I don't like, the way other people treat me or whatever, so I'm just going to go out and shoot a bunch of people and go out in a blaze of glory. Well, come on, you don't need a gun. And, and in fact, it's that kind of mindset is, it's, you know, poisoning people's thoughts. I mean, most people, you know, I don't go to the grocery store thinking, gosh, everybody around here is a potential threat, you know. i got to be a wolf. Right. i, I got to be a sheepdog because everybody's either a wolf or a sheep, and by golly, i got to be packing heat because i got to protect the sheep, right. and here comes the wolf. You know that's the, the that's the gun 
the code red gun gun nut always on alert mentality but most people are good people but um you know so and and why should you know we should enter i don't want to live in fear i mean i i'm not going to i mean i don't even care if 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 it doesn't matter you know if i live in a violent neighborhood or or whatever if things get crazy i i'm not I'm not going to give in to that. I'm not going to give in to fear. I, I choose to live without fear. And, you know, and if something happens and and I don't have a gun gun with me, oh, well, you know, I mean, I, you know, <laughs> I'm not sure that it's going to make me any safer. I'm sure the evidence shows that having a gun doesn't make you safer. You're more likely to shoot yourself. And certainly, um, you know, the person most likely to get shot by a gun is, is the owner themselves. Many times that's suicide, but also accidents or or, you know, um, the next most likely person you are to shoot it besides yourself is a loved one, you know. Um, so I, I don't I don't choose to live that way. I'm not going to have one. And, and I don't begrudge people if they have one for, for their own reasons, you know, especially if they're um, a hunter or in law enforcement or, or they just feel they need one for personal protection for, for different reasons, but I, I, I think um, the the sort of mentality that everybody should be carrying a gun because it's a, the world's a dangerous place and you need a gun on college. Well, we, then we got to make college campuses less dangerous because to me it's not acceptable that we have to treat it like we're in a war zone and and always be on the lookout and and you know have a trusty sidearm at our side because because there might be a crazed gunman on the loose. No, we need to make sure that those crazed gunmen don't get the gun in the first place so everybody doesn't have right. to walk around with a gun. You know, this isn't war. I mean, this is <laughs> peacetime and people are just trying to go to school. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's 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 just um, it's mind-boggling the way that they uh, perpetuate um, that they have no clue that it's cyclical, that that because people feel fearful everywhere they go that they that that's the reason why we need to get more guns and why we need to protect ourselves and you know i i honestly like you you know you be, we believe there's more good than bad in the world that good always rises hope always rises to the top and we i think that's how you survive that's how you get by as you know that the the bad days do not outnumber the good days. You know, when I say there, you know, if, I, if I've had a bad day, I'm feeling, you know, poorly. Um, I know I say to myself, you know, no two days are the same. I know that we're not going to have two horrible days in a row. You know, the days aren't the same. Um, and my my point being, you know, we we look at people and and we look for goodness in everybody, and we know that there's good out there. And those people that have goodness and the people that have uh, a, a, a normal sense of reality and that aren't distorted by all this fear-mongering, those are the ones we need to come together with. There's such a, I think there's more of a, a divide, uh, um, there's less of a divide than, than people realize. I think there's a lot of gun owners who feel this is way overboard. It's gone way too far that the converse the the lack of conversation with Congress and with Republicans, people refusing to even touch the subject, that's gone on for too long and it needs to stop. We need to have dialogue and we need to step it up. And I did want to mention real quickly, I know I told you I'm so sorry, Keith, I said I wasn't gonna go on and on for the whole show. I'm sorry. I no, do have to mention that uh, I I I do have to mention that today Nancy Pelosi uh did uh did um place before uh speaker Boehner before he leaves one that she would like to have a special congressional committee to specifically work with and deal with gun violence in our country she wants a special committee she wants it within 60 days she wants reports she wants action and so she's put it before the feet of secretary Boehner and uh hopefully we'll have movement on that but that was just today um, and good for Nancy. <laughs> good on her that she's um, stepping up and taking the bull by the horns and once again bringing the dialogue uh, to the table. Um, and say, you know, say what you will about it, talk, talk. Well, that's how it has to start. 
we have to have dialogue and we have to have both sides uh, open to each other's uh, thoughts and, and ideas. But where we're at right now is one side is willing to talk and the other side is not. Um, or they're just very limited on what they'll say, what they'll give. Um, and we've got to break that paralysis that they have uh, because of the NRA. Um, it, it will it will happen. I don't know when. I feel a difference in reaction from people. Like I stated at the start of the program, I feel like this is a different. People aren't just like, oh gosh, another one click. I don't want, no next story, next story, another shooting again, next story. I feel like it's okay. That that's that's we're done. That's enough. More people are saying that now. It's not just a little thread of people. It's more and more people are saying, let's talk about this. Let's get it off the ground. Let's stop saying, well, there's nothing we can do because it's in our constitution and that's uh, blah, 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 blah. Um, no more giving up, no more excuses. Um, we have to deal with this. And I think uh, the president has stated his opinions and stated what he would like to see done. I think he was very forceful saying, if you don't like what's going on, then you make sure your voice is heard. Um, we have a democracy. You don't like the way you're being represented, then say something about it. And <laughs> I, I'll start again. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm tweeting my congressman. Uh, you know, I did all day today, and I'll start again tomorrow and let him know you, your thoughts do not represent me. I am not proud of your A rating with the NRA. Um, get get back to the table. Work with work with people. That's why you're there. And there's maybe other people on the other side too. I mean, I'm not naive. They're just tweeting, "So stay strong and good for you, and don't give in." But at least I'm, you know, I'm letting him know how I feel, um, and I'm I'm not obviously going to vote for him. But you know, I'm one. But at least I'm I'm doing what I can do. I'm doing what I'm being asked by the president to do. I'm making it known that I'm not happy with him and that he does not represent me. So. Um, yeah, and, and we I, all have to band um, together and do the same thing. And you're absolutely right ahead, about um, um, most people. I think want something sensible. Well, what's really weird is that we is that the loudest voices makes the, the NRA and the and and some of the other um, pro gun crazies. A lot of the you know NRA gun owners of America and the different patriot groups and some of the libertarians who are big pro-gun boys, they make a lot of noise. They make a lot of noise in the media and on the Internet. And for some reason, um, they fooled a lot of members of Congress in, into thinking they speak for a much larger percentage of the population they, than they do. Even some, you know, knuckleheads on the Democratic side, people like Heidi Heitkamp and, and others who, who voted against background I just wanted to point out um, uh, public opinion on w when polling goes. It shows that really most Americans are behind gun sense. Um, these are f summer figures. I think they were after the Charleston shooting. But public policy polling, um, the, for, the polling firm public, public Policy Polling, which is one of the better pollsters in the country, and they often ask very detailed questions. One of the things they asked, this was a national survey, do you support or oppose requiring a criminal background check of every person who wants to buy a firearm? 90% supported, 9% opposed, and and the rest weren't sure, the 1% to 2% rounded up to 2 But But 90%, so 9 out of 10 Americans support uh, requiring criminal background check. Um, when they polled Iowa, um, you know, all the, all, all the Republicans are pandering to the Republicans trying to be as pro-gun as possible. But Iowa found that 75% of voters favored, supported expanded background checks for gun purchases compared to 18% who didn't. So it's a little more conservative, the, the country as a whole, because it's the Midwest and people, you know, gun culture is stronger in the Midwest and South and parts of the West than they are on the coast. But even so, that was 91% of Democrats 72% of independents and 60% of Iowa Republicans favoring 
expanded background checks for gun purchases, compared to only 29% of Republicans who didn't. So, so even with Republicans, one of the political candidates ought to take this issue and and buck the party line and say, you know, we really need to do something about gun violence. And two out of three Republicans in Iowa, by a margin of two to one, they would have Republicans on their side. I mean, it might depend on how they framed it, but most Republicans want background checks. And and the final um, poll I was going to mention is I was just going to point out in Wyoming, which which is arguably the most pro-gun state in the country, unless you think Alaska is, but it's one of those two. Anyways, even there, 55% of voters want improved uh, or enhanced background checks or background checks for all purposes, uh, compared to 33% who don't. And even among Republicans, it was 47% of Iowa Republic. I'm sorry, of Wyoming Republicans favored more background checks to 41% who didn't. So even with Republicans in the most conservative pro-gun state in the country, there's more of them that think it would be a good idea to have a better screening process than those that don't. I mean, it's close, but but it's 47 to 41 in favor of gun sense over over. Uh, you know Wayne Wayne Lapierre's NRA gun nuttery, and so somehow the lawmakers, state and federal level, have to pay attention to the voters instead of where the money flows, and say, hey, you know, I mean, most people support this. Sensible people in both parties, sensible people who are independents, and sensible people who just care about their kids and don't don't have any interest in politics otherwise, um, think that. Like the president said, this is just unacceptable. And, and you know, obviously legislation isn't the only thing that can be done. I mean, we have to change the entire culture about it, but laws sometimes tell us where the culture is headed. And if, if we pass um, background checks, you know, maybe it doesn't stop somebody who who has a clean mental health bill um, in terms of the way that they test, even though the person might have a few screws loose as far as how they handle anger or something else. But at least if we have laws in place for the background checks in place, we're sending a message that guns aren't just a toy that anybody can get for no reason. I mean, it's the same thing with driving. We're still going to have drunk drivers, even if we have really good drunk driving laws. But if we pass laws against it, I think our society knows there's a message and, and drunk driving fatalities have gone down since Mothers Against Drunk Driving and other groups made a big deal and since they passed stricter laws. It doesn't mean everybody's going to obey the law, but it means we as a society are committed to the idea that it's not okay to get loaded and then go out and drive a vehicle and hit somebody. And so so by having those laws in place, we've changed the culture a little bit. People no longer shrug their shoulders and say, oh, it's just four or five drinks, I'm good. I mean, now people there's peer pressure and there's legal pressure to, to not go out and drink and drive. And I think we could do the same thing with, with gun laws. It doesn't mean we're going to stop every single shooting, but if we make a commitment, a national commitment to say gun violence is not acceptable, it's not okay to walk into a theater or a school with, you know, strapped to the hilt with, you know, a hundred rounds of ammo on you, you and, and, you know, we're going to try to prevent this sort of thing because anybody who wants a gun is going to need to undergo a background check or, or they're going to need to fill out some paperwork. Whatever it takes, we're making a commitment to say that we we want to stop this sort of thing. And I think if we do that, then uh, we can stop it or at least reduce the frequency of it. I mean, um, it, you know, it's a fairly uniquely American thing. It's not the only place it happens, but it's the only place only developed country where it happens with such such numbing frequency and such um with it was su- such a reaction where 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 a segment of the population just kind of shrugs it off people running for president like jeff bush but but I think if we as a culture commit ourselves to making a difference we can't um your thoughts Naomi well um I agree with I agree with everything that that you've said, and we've we've had these conversations numerous times, and and I agree. I think that basically people are ready for change. They want it. They want to see this put back on the table. This dialogue, um, as we as we 
wrap up, I just wanted to mention that um, un- this, unfortunately, was the 45th school shooting this year. 45th school shooting this year, and we're in October. Um, it's it's mind-boggling that, as President Obama has said before, if we need to fix our roads, our bridges, we need to fix our levees, we need to make sure our dams are supported, we need to make sure everything, our infrastructures pass earthquake inspections and homes that need to be built with protection against tornadoes or hurricanes, they're they're in place. And we do things proactively to protect our citizens, to protect one another. Um, schools have sprinklers, schools have gates, schools have safety measures in place. We protect our children that way. We don't protect them when it comes to guns. Um, I think some people think that this problem is uh, their excuse is that the problem is bigger than the solution, and I don't think that it is. Um, I think that the solution is there within reach. Um, I, I think that's an excuse for people to say, oh, well, it's the Second Amendment that's holding us back. Um, we can't do anything because it's in our, you know, in our, in our rights. We have to have guns. So you're not going to be able to take away anybody's right to have a gun. We're not take, the, the conversation is not taking away rights to have a gun. Um, and I think until that uh, until that um, misnomer, until that miscommunication is set str- set straight with a reasonable dialogue on both sides of the table, uh, I think that I think that the, that there will be movement to change uh, gun laws. But kudos to the states that have already done so. Uh, my state being one of them, who've enacted uh, gun safety laws as far as background checks or um, waiting periods, things like that, that definitely is movement in the right direction. Um, we have to give shout-outs to the gun violence in front of the families um, that continue to advocate each day, day in and day out, even though they are facing days without their loved ones who were taken by massacres like this, like uh, Richard Martinez, who continues to advocate since his son Christopher was killed in at UC Santa Barbara, Sandy and Lonnie Phillips, who advocate every day um, in light of their daughter's death, her murder at the Aurora Theater. Karen Teves, her son Alex, was taken also at the Aurora Theater. His life was taken. Lucy Davis uh, continues to fight every day. We have so many friends and so many people that are involved in gun violence prevention um, that continue to advocate for stricter um, and common-sense gun laws in light of their loved ones passing. Um, And with their strength and determination uh, to change things, it it will happen. Um, And I'm I'm proud uh, to be associated um, with them in trying to work with them to get communication out, educate people, and make the changes happen that need to occur in order for our lives to be, our communities to be safer, and for our children and our families to grow up and live with one another without the constant fear of when is my school going to be the next school on the list. Um, It's not a way for us to live, and we have to fight, we have to fight back. So I, I will turn agree. it back over to you, Keith. Thank you and for indulging so, um, me. <laughs> sure, absolutely. And uh, uh, for those of you hoping we get to another topic, uh, not this week, so I apologize Sorry. for that, which is very important. No, I, I think this is where we needed to go with it, and so, you know, um, that's that's what we did. And so um, uh, next week we'll be back on and we'll be talking about it. Hopefully there won't be another tragedy in the week that follows. And again, I just want to thank everybody for listening. Do everything you can. Um, um, you know, write your congressman. Uh, do whatever you can. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll tackle this problem together. But uh, hope everybody has, uh, has a safe weekend and we'll catch you again next week.